HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Sabra Spreads, taking your sandwich to the next level. Learn more at Sabra.com. I'm Mike Calameco from Food Talk. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. And welcome to the Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkill, here today with Roman Cho, um, who I believe I was introduced to through our executive director, Aaron Fairbanks. Okay. Because you were taking portraits out at the Good Food Awards. Yes, I was. Yeah. And she goes, Michael, you have to meet this photographer. Not only does he make (laughs) amazing portraits, but the portraits of who you're photographing are amazing people. And we'll get to that in a second. Okay. But you yourself are an LA-based commercial photographer. And let, let's talk about what commercial photography is, because a lot of people think it's, you know, all this glam of celebrities and maybe even cars and advertisements. What is photography to you? Well, that's a big portion. Um, another, well, commercial photography encompasses anything that is used in ads, right? So if you want to sell soap and you need to photograph a soap or a woman a housewife holding a soap, then that's commercial photography. Yeah. So I do some of that. Uh, uh, another portion of my work is editorial photography, which is uh, photos for uh, magazines. So whenever you have a uh, an article of, say, I don't know, uh, a tennis player, Rafael Nadal, then somebody needs to photograph Rafael. So people like me is uh, are called to photograph yeah. So you're not just name dropping saying, I wish I was going to photograph him. You have photographed Rafael Nadal. I have not photographed Rafael <laughs> Nadal. <laughs> oh, you were, you were putting it out there like a... Oh, right, right, yeah. right. No, no, I, I'm blanking on... Uh, I, I did photograph uh, Novak Djokovic. Yeah. Uh, he was a cool, you know, he was a cool guy. Yeah. Rafael, I have not. It'd be great to photograph yeah. him. One but, of these days. You know, but so yeah. there's commercial and editorial, but within both those, there's portraiture. Yes. And... We can talk about Avedon in a second, but, oh. you know, what does portraiture... How do you approach portraiture? How do I approach portraiture? Uh, yeah, so the reason why we're talking about portraiture is because I specialize in portrait photography. I don't really do anything else. Um, how do I approach it? I, I approach it in terms of, first, there's a, uh, the surface level of portraiture, just simply what the person looks like. Um, then th- there is the personality of the, pers- of the subject, 
and do I try to convey the personality? Uh, I feel like some uh, photographers focus more on the on the surface and the style, and they impose the the photographer imposes his or her personality over the subject, and other photographers I feel try to bring out the 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 mood of the the personality of the subject in the photos, and I think the great ones try to you know accomplish both. Uh, my approach, uh, I try to conv- I try to convey the, uh, the 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 personality of the subject more, um, and that's my focus. And sometimes, you know, obviously with a lot of work, you sometimes you're uh, successful, sometimes you're not. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so let's talk about Richard Avedon because okay, I mean, it was one body of work, uh, the family, where he did what sixty nine portraits of of corporate and media elite, yeah, who he thought constituted, you know, um, the power structure of of the government. Yeah. So what happened was that in nineteen seventy six, uh, he uh, Rolling Stones asked him to do a uh, photo, photo essay on the election that year. And he thought about it, he's like, yeah, I'm not really interested. Then the more he thought about it, he goes, you know, what I am interested is, instead of covering the major candidates, is covering the um, people behind the scenes, people who are more the uh, the real gear, the re- real clockwork of the government, and the r- people who hold the power uh, that, that the public do not re- kind of realize. So he went out and photographed uh, 69 people. Uh, I think it's well, actually more than that because there were some group photos, but uh, 69 photos of people in government, out of government, um, uh, public service, uh, policymakers, uh, you know, thought uh, activists who really held the power. And so you you saw these people that you don't really think of when you think of uh, people in charge. Uh, I mean, it, it's and really captured a, a wide breadth of of people who are active in the government and in the in the works of the government and so what i'm doing with my and the reason i'm here is to talk about the project that i'm working on of people in the food world and so i kind of part of my project is based on that to not to to first to show the people who are doing interesting and important work in the food world but not to just show the popular ones and of course i'm gonna uh, show the famous people because they are famous for a reason because they're doing important work but also to show people who are not so public, not so uh, popular, yeah. but who are just as important. You know, it's funny because going back to Avedon and, yeah. and that work, the family, um, there were public people like George Bush, who at the time was what the head of the CIA. Exactly. And then funny enough, Mark Felt, who m- maybe kind of was a public figure, but even more so once he was out of his on. deep throat. Exactly. So it's, it's a really fascinating dichotomy of, of people in that. And then in yours as well, um, and the reason we talked about approach initially is imposing a style. You know, uh, mm-hmm. it's so hard not to do as, as a creative person sometimes, but to sure. let everyone, you know, be individual and be themselves, especially those that aren't necessarily overtly expressive. Right. And you're dealing with this cast of, of, of characters in, in Culinaria uh-huh. um, that, you know, sometimes prefer to be behind the scenes. So yeah, let's talk yeah, exactly. about the first portrait that you took within that group. Ooh, I think the first portrait, I don't quite remember the very first portrait for the project, but one of the first was Raj Patel, uh, activist, uh, economist, 
And he, uh, at the time that I photographed him, he was teaching at UC Berkeley. I believe he's in UC Texas in Austin at the moment. I'm not exactly sure. Don't hold me on it. But he, uh, when I met him, very wonderful, friendly guy and very charismatic. And when I, when I was photographing him, we would, as I typically do with uh, everybody that I photograph, I try to hold conversations to get a sense of who the person is and also to kind of try to convey that in the photograph. And he is definitely a passionate dude, very fervent in his beliefs without being dogmatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so I guess the better word is passionate and not dogmatic. But when, when you see him speak, uh, his eyes get really big and he's just very into the subject matter he's speaking. And he's almost like fire and brimstone preacher kind of uh, fervency. But really passionate, and it's it was really cool to see that. But then we get off that, and we talk about this stuff, and he's really wonderful, <laughs> sweet guy. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, how how do you translate that fervent nature? I mean, do you, do you try to get them to furrow their brow? Do you try to get them to be impassioned? You know, in front of your lens. You know, I don't. Um, I don't. I try to stay away from the obvious things, like can you look intense or can you furrow your brow or do that uh my my what i try to do is um if i think when, when it's a good photo it's when it happens through me guiding the person indirectly and they get to that place and and the reason why i emphasize indirectly is because it's more honest that way because if i tell him look intense unless you're an actor majority of the people they'll try to put on the intense look, quote unquote, and it'll look fake. So what I try to do is uh, give them directions in, in a roundabout way to get them to that place where they'll look intense yeah. and very passionate about their beliefs. You know, it's funny when you're saying give directions. I, I keep on coming back to this image of Elliot Sandor Katz, where it kind of looks like oh. you're lost in this pastoral setting and he, he's trying to give you directions to get out of there. Uh, you know, pushing leaves aside, yeah. but it's so emblematic of him and his work. Right, right. Yeah, because he is—he has been this kind of shepherd of, of of a fermentation movement that was almost lost in this country. Yeah, yeah, and we rescued it, really spread the uh, spread the knowledge and propagated the knowledge. He's kind of like the Johnny Appleseed of fermentation, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But uh, you know that—that's a great way of thinking about it. I never saw that photograph as him leading us out of the woods. Yeah, but I could see that the way you describe it. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, it's, it's cooler that you took that photo without you know subconsciously. Subconsciously. Yeah yeah. 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 And but you know, hearing you talk about these people in in this passionate way too, how they how how have they affected your life from a food standpoint? Ooh. Well. Um, They've since starting the project. I've definitely eating better. Yeah. Uh, not. Uh, I've always uh, had a pretty good diet in terms of like I don't eat fast food. I don't like junk sugar food and yeah. all that. But from based starting starting from that point, once I started this project of photographing people in the food world, I mean the quality of the food just got better just being around them. So that has changed. Um, the my understanding of the food system has. Uh, increased exponentially, uh, but that's what I was trying to go for to have a better understanding of the food system. Uh, not not for me personally per se, uh, not to benefit me, 
uh, on a personal level, but to understanding increased because simply this was a subject matter that I was um, that I was working in. So ne- I, w- I needed a better understanding to know what the issues were, so I could uh, have a better understanding of who were important in the scene. I mean, being in L.A., it's in your backyard too. Yeah, yeah. In a certain sense, um, the the weather is fantastic, and uh, so there's that. So we get great food because of the great weather. Uh, being in L.A. Uh, near Central uh, Central Valley, um, the majority of the food that's being consumed by the country is produced from there. Yeah, so there's that. Um, I feel like maybe it's me uh, getting deeper into the food world. Uh, maybe it existed before, or maybe it's, it is true. But I feel like the uh, the quality of the food scene, the American, uh, the new American cuisine food scene in LA, has gotten better uh, in the last several years uh, than before. Uh, so that that was nice. Yeah, yeah. Who's, where in LA do you go out to eat? I mean, or do you go to <laughs> farmers markets, or are you mainly cooking at home? Uh, I don't cook. Well, that's not true. I do cook at home. That's just a survival food. <laughs> I am not a cook. Yeah. So let's just put it out there. Where I, I love going out to a lot of uh, ethnic restaurants. That's my thing in L.A. And we're blessed to have a um, really great ethnic food scene because there's a lot of pockets of uh, immigrants, uh, of a community, and a lot of the immigrant community are the largest of that community in the U S so we get, uh, so we get a lot of great, great food, uh, that you, it's hard to get at other communities around, around the country. Yeah. So we're very lucky about that. So my thing lately has been Chinese noodles because me and noodles and pasta, you know, we go together. Well, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) you know, and Again, you have these wonderful enclaves in L.A., mm-hmm. but you're visiting people like Will Allen, yeah, who have created a community around him that didn't exist before, right? And that's and, and that's the thing about uh, that's the thing about the the, the people that are being uh, photographed for this project, Culinaria, is in that a lot of them are creating their own world, creating their creating their own scene. Will Allen, he's doing that with his urban uh, farming initiatives. Um, I feel like. Like Tanya Holland up in Oakland, who started the Brown Sugar Kitchen, uh, she start opened up a soul food restaurant in an industrial part of Oakland, and by doing that, she is drawing people in to that community that uh, previously were not going to the community because of the draw of her restaurant, and and re- helping revitalize that area. Um, I think a lot of people who and that's the beauty about the these doers and these and these food people is by their work they're drawing people in and they're creating a network and they're creating community um robert egger you know we were talking about him just a moment ago with your previous previous guest uh you know he's doing uh this thing called dc central kitchen and he recently went over to create la central kitchen where he's using food he's I believe he's collecting um, uh, like potentially wasted food, and uh, he's training uh, people who are otherwise on the periphery of our society, uh, people who age out of foster homes, the homeless, the people who are released from prison, who have no – and he trains them in uh, uh, food service 
experience. He trains them in that so they could get a job afterwards, uh, creating a community that way, right? And, and if you think about it, any restaurant is a community. Uh, people think about all the times you go, hey, let's go meet at, say, here at Roberta's. And, you, and you're in your group of friends, have your regular hangout at, at Roberta's. And so, if, so that's the great thing about uh, restaurants, first of all, and that creates communities. But second of all, the food in general, like whenever you hang out, whenever you eat, well, let's say whenever you're hanging out, usually f- eating is involved, right? And whenever you think about all the great times in the past that you've had in your, in your memory bank, uh, you know, good majority of them involve food. So that's the wonderful part about food. And that's the wonderful part about what these people are doing. Excellent. We're going to take a quick break and actually come back and talk about an amazing hangout that you got to bear witness to and photograph. Okay. That is of Alice Waters, Ruth Reichel, and <laughs> Nell Newman. <laughs> You've been listening to the food scene on Heritage Radio Network.org. We'll be right back. You're probably a sandwich lover. Half the people in America eat one every day. Sabra, maker of America's favorite hummus, just released a new squeezable spread to take your sandwiches from good to great. Garlic herb on turkey, sea salt and cracked pepper on roast beef, and we've got to try the honey mustard on grilled chicken. The easy squeeze bottles are convenient and you're not even stuck washing a knife. The best thing is that they have 75% less fat than the current leading spread mayo. So whether you're looking to amp up today's lunch, eat a little healthier, or just not be a member of the Mayo Club, Sabra has your solution with their new spreads. They're vegan, kosher, gluten-free, and non-GMO. Look for them in the deli of your local grocer and learn more at Sabra.com. Hey, and welcome back to The Food Scene. I'm Michael Harlan Turkel here today with Roman Cho talking about Culinaria, which is a portrait series of some of the most influential people that you don't necessarily always see. Um, and one such instance, even though they are very uh, vocal and well-known people, um, are Alice Waters of Chez Panisse in Berkeley, mm-hmm. uh, Ruth Reichel, who was a longtime editor at uh, Gourmet, yep. and then Nell Newman, who is the daughter of Paul Newman, but one of the smartest and uh, most sustainably thinking you know, uh, farming practice people in, in the country, yes, if not world. Yep, and she's the one who started the Newman's own, orga- uh, own or- organics yeah. division. And you, yeah. you, you got to see all three of them at once because yes. they all kind of grew up together. Yeah, they were, you know, they're good friends. Uh, I know, definitely know uh, Alice and Ruth. They had their friendship starting in the 70s back in Berkeley when Berkeley was still, you know, crunchy, yeah, <laughs> so to speak. And they were like the, you know, they were there during the beginning and created the beginning of the uh, food scene. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how far back, uh, uh, um, sorry, Nell goes back with uh, Ruth and Alice, but they're also uh, good friends as well. Yeah. Yeah. Why all three at the same time? So I had photographed all three of those ladies individually prior, but in the beginning of this project, uh, I, for some reason, had this uh, vision, this this image in my mind of Alice and Ruth together. And later on, when I photographed, uh, when I began to know more about Nell and saw knew that she was good friends with the, the other two, and, you know, so it made sense for them, her to be in the photo. But just these old friends together, 
and not just any old friends, but these friends who did so much for uh, the food scene, right? And popularizing and improving the food scene and having and and bettering our understanding of it. So for some reason, this vision always uh, stayed in my mind. And being who they are, they're three incredibly busy people. The chance, the odds of them in a single room together at one time is very small, right? <laughs> Unless it's for a phenomenally extraordinary event. So I, I thought it was like, going to be a pipe dream. Then they, uh, then there was a um, Good Food Awards uh, being uh, uh, hosted last January. Good Food Awards is a award uh, series that was give, that's produced by Sarah Weiner, wonderful woman, and and her uh, Ceiling pro uh, Projects organization. And the Good Food Awards um, celebrates good food, small independent producers in various uh, categories like charcuterie and cheese and wine and etc. Um, and that particular year, all three of them were going to be there for the uh, for the award ceremony, and the award ceremony takes place, of course, in San Francisco. And Sarah, for some reason, she's very nice and wonderful to me, and she's always uh, reached out to me and said, "Hey, you know, if you want to come to this award, you we'd wel you know we'd welcome you. We'd love to have you here." And that particular year, I had the award ceremony. Go, awards was, was going to be on Thursday night. I had a shoot scheduled, a long time, a long scheduled shoot on Friday. Of course, me back in LA. Mm -hmm. So I you know, email regrettably. I cannot attend. I'm sorry. I wish I could be there. And she's like, "Oh, that's too bad because you know Alice is going to be there. Ruth is going to be there. <laughs> Nell is going to be there." And I went, oh, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. what?" So I thought, "Huh? Okay, let's make it work." Da, da, da. This is an idea I have. I want to do a set up like a photo booth area away from the like in a separate room, and I want to photograph all the uh, uh, the the presenters. And she's like, "Okay, fantastic, wonderful." So, uh, because of all the gear that I have to uh, uh, use for the photo shoot, uh, I always drive up to San Francisco instead of flying up uh, because this project is self funded, right? Uh, so what I did was I drove up. Wednesday, spent the night, had a photo shoot Thursday morning. Then Thursday afternoon is when this uh, ceremony organization got started. So we went into the room, we set up the backdrop, and photographed the three of them uh, together. And uh, then the ceremony started at 6 o'clock, which is when I left, started the drive down to L.A., <laughs> got home about 2 in the morning, Got up at five and went through the shoot the next day. Yeah, so it was a crazy shoot, but but again, going back to this this idea of the three of them together in the room, the old friends who did so much to to the contribute to the food world is the reason why I wanted to do this shoot. Oh, I mean, yeah, given that you had to pull a double or a triple, you know, uh, that many days up, yeah, uh, to to capture this one moment that pretty much encapsulates the culinary zeitgeist of this moment. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. It's totally worth it. I know, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I have no regrets whatsoever. No, you see that thing, like, and you got to see that instance. Yeah. We, I'm a very appreciative you did that. Um, another San Francisco you have in your, your series is Harold McGee, mm -hmm. who is, is, he's a very interesting one because whereas, yes, Alice had her restaurant, um, 
Ruth had her magazine and Nell had her product line, Harold had his mind um, yeah. and kind of contextualized what food was rather than proliferated its deliciousness. Right. Yeah, exactly. So how do you, how do you photograph a thinker like that? Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, you know, with him, again, the project is about, the first of all, the reason why I chose him is, again, going back to the project of culinary, it's about people who do important work in the food world, who change the way we understand food or way we understand it or interact with it, right? And like you said, he definitely has done a great part in changing the way we understand food better understanding it, right? And through uh, analyzing it from the perspective of science. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to photograph Harold. He's a scientist. He really explains how food works. How do I photograph that? So I started thinking, well, one of the most obvious thing, a lot of, uh, a lot of the process of food, of cooking food involves heat and fire. So what if I had him holding a fire and like a like a torch or something and uh, burn uh, a food item and the the image i had was maybe like a breadstick and having the end being all charcoal right so i when i met him i explained my concept of fire it it burns it changes the surface characteristic from one uh, one appearance to another and it changes the structure of the food as well and Harold, you know, very, uh, very wonderful and nice, but not very emotive. So he's standing <laughs> there. Well, at least at the time that I that I saw him, a very analytical kind of uh, persona, right? And uh, he just he's listens. To, he listens. He goes, okay. So I'm thinking. Uh, so I present the idea, and we go over to Whole Foods together in his car. He drives. We drive over. We grab a bunch of uh, items to uh, potentially burn. So we, I grab a bunch of uh, uh, breadsticks. Uh, we get some carrots with you know the green part still hanging, just like you know Bugs Bunny cartoons. Mm-hmm. So we grab some of those. We grab a couple of other items. We come back, and we set up. He's like he's he's very amenable to the idea. So we set up. He has a couple of uh, handheld torches, and we start burning things. And you know they look okay. They weren't uh, particularly wonderful. Uh, but, of course, I'm not telling him that. I'm like, okay, great, 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 wonderful. Yeah, that's good, that's good. Uh, you have any other ideas? He goes, well, you know, one of my favorite my favorite process is when you burn sugar. And sugar turns from solid white to caramel texture to liquid uh, to black. So it goes from solid white to light brown to dark brown to black. And every step of the way, it uh, changes, the scent changes every step of the way. So he's talking about that. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. Well, do you have any sugar cubes? He goes, um, let me go down to my basement and see what I have. So he, comes, go, he goes down to the basement, comes back up with like four or five different varieties of sugar cubes. Now, for me, like not again, not being a chef, I had no idea there were like four or five different varieties of sugar cubes. But of course, of course, he had them. So we set up uh, the the photo with like a you know pyramid of sugar cubes, and he starts burning them, and it starts caramelizing, and this rivulets of caramel, and it's just wonderful. He's just he was like a little kid in a 
you know, science experiment, just having fun and involved. So that's how the image came about. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it shows that wonderment that Harold has. Yeah. Because as, as, as you said, and I think it's the perfect word, analytical as he is, mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, contemplative and methodical, uh, he has so much fun thinking about these things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's very, very much so. Uh, he was very excited. Well, you know, I, I was like, it. so apparently he was very into this whole process and just loved the thing. And I felt like that's one of the photos that I did uh, photograph for the project that really encapsulates the person through photography. Yeah. With the, who he is and what he does. And the photos ends and majority of the people, well, not a majority, all of them, all of these people that I photograph because of who they are and what they do, they're very busy people. So one of my biggest concern is over overstaying my welcome. Right. So at the end of the photo, and again, he's very kind of an analytical kind of a personality. So he's not very emotive. So the whole throughout the whole process, you know, you know, I, I, I made him go out, drive to Whole Foods and pick up supplies, you know, go grocery shopping with me. We we're setting all the backdrop. Up. We were moving tables. We we're setting up this area for him to burn his sugar cubes. So at the end of the shoot, I was like, you know, I thank you so much for all the time that you devoted to the photo shoot today. I hope I didn't you know, take up too much. He goes. And he goes, you know, no, I had a lot of fun doing this photo shoot. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah, he's a, yeah. He's a wonderful and, and inspiring man. Yeah. But it, it's a couple other names that I want to drop and, you know, not necessarily talk about because I pe want people, if they don't know who they are, to see their image first. Right. Um, like Evan Kleiman, who, I mean, is one of the big reasons I kind of do radio. Uh, oh, Tia okay. Harrison and Marissa Guyana, Caleb Zigas, uh, Samin Nosrat, I mean... Amy Rowett. Mm -hmm. You may have heard these names, but, you know, go to Roman Cho's site, see Culinaria, see these people, but learn about what these people are really about. Because like you said, they, they're changing the way um, our culture exists through gastronomy. Yeah. And, you know, you touched on a very important uh, part of why I'm doing this project, because um, when I started the, working on this project, uh, of photographing important people in the food world, uh, the what got me started was I noticing important things happening in the f with food and the food scene, right? And more people paying attention to it uh, as a form of entertainment, and also uh, as for like political issues and reasons, and for health reasons. So it's starting to get to a point where like housewives and soccer moms and dads are starting to talk about organic and locally sourced. And where's the food coming from? And no GMOs, right? This is I'm, this is uh, when I was starting the project about six years ago. So everyday folks were starting to talk about this thing. So I thought, okay, something interesting is happening in, with food and with our country, and I want to dive in to s explore that. And I think a lot of people, when they think of, when they think think about uh, devoting a subject, you know, say think about devoting a subject to the food, their reaction is photograph the food. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to photograph food. A, I'm not a uh, food photographer. Uh, but B, I want to photograph the people behind it, people who are responsible for doing the work. And uh, the reason, first of all, the one reason why that interests me is because I'm a portrait photographer. But also, part of the whole reason why I'm a portrait photographer is to put a spotlight on these people who are doing the work, right? And especially for the food world, it's important, I think, to put the spotlight on the people in the food world because what they do 
is in front of is not in front of an audience. So they're not like uh, a a musician whose uh, job is being in front of an audience. So if you're a fan of a musician, you know what that person looks like, right? But if you are a fan of Evan Kleiman or a famous chef or a food writer, you don't necessarily know what that person looks like. Uh, I've kind of I've kind of been surprised by how many people have seen uh, the portraits of Michael Pollan, and they go, "Oh, so that's what Michael looks like," right? So that's been uh, interesting to notice. It's always fun to see who gets noticed and who don't get noticed, right? Uh, so it was important for me to do these portraits to uh, bring these people out into the public uh, view who, are, who do their work behind the scenes. Uh, another thing that I noticed is that the, the project doesn't encompass just chefs, but it encompasses all the people in the food world, uh, not just chefs, but farmers, the producers, the butchers, the cheesemakers, the activists, the writers, the uh, policymakers. Uh, I'm trying to encompass anybody who touches food in one sort of way or another. And one thing that I found is that people in one area, say people who are chefs, may not necessarily know people in the policy world, say, or writers or activists like Raj Patel. Whereas uh, if you are, when I photographed uh, Marion Nessel, and she was looking at the portrait. She's like, ah, Raj. <laughs> right? Yeah. But she didn't necessarily know other people in the different, say, like a farmer or a cheese uh, monger, right, or a cheese producer. So with this – so what I found was that the scene uh, was kind of – there were segments of it. There were subcultures within the category of food. So what I'm hoping to do with this project is introduce one group to another. Um, and so they could – so that – the audience can see the uh, the larger picture of what a food world looks like. Yeah. Well, yeah. I want to be invited to that culinaria mixer when you actually have it. Oh, that'd yeah. be <laughs> When we have it, you're yeah. first on the list. Excellent. Because <laughs> who knows when, you know, Alice, Nell, and uh, Ruth will be in the same place at the same time. I uh, know, right? <laughs> now, if I could get them to uh, yeah, be in the mixer for that one, that would be fantastic. Yeah. But what's so amazing, <laughs> six years I want to see this project go on forever, but I really mm -hmm. do want to see it in another six years and see how that dynamic between those, you know, subcategories, as you said, change. Yeah. Because everyone does influence each other and it, it, it's a bigger world than just, you know, the chefs and the farmers and. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, one, one thing that I, uh, like you said, the mixing of the different uh, worlds, uh, like Chad Robertson uh, told me about, um, I'm just having a brain fart of the Rachel Dutton, a scientist mm -hmm. who was at Harvard and now she's over at UC uh, San, uh, San Diego, I believe. Who a scientist who's uh, mapping the the surface of cheese in terms of the you know, bacteria's. So, you know, him being involved in the process of fermentation with his bread, so he has interest in science and interest in the scientific aspect of how things work. So he's apparently been in conversation with Rachel, or at least very, uh, at least knowledgeable about what she does. So it's cool to see like that, though, the science and cooking, the people in those two worlds come together and work together. And I know Rachel Dunn has uh, worked with uh, David Chang. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and consulted with him about, you know, she, he's consulted with her about, you know, 
different things. Yeah. So it's it's fascinating. Well, I mean, I always think of it like a, a baker or anyone that presents food. You know, not that it's a superficial thing, but it's something you certainly eat with your eyes. Mm-hmm. And then working with a scientist on a m- microbial level, right. something you can't see with your eyes. Exactly. So it, it's bringing light to again th- those um, you know those conversations. But everyone should go to your website, RomanShow.com. And check out Culinaria, and I, oh, I'm hoping you. you consistently add to this amazing collection of uh, amazing people. Well, I hope so, yeah. too. I hope so, too. Excellent. Thanks again, Roman. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at 3. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.